All right. Yeah, we like our little people, and we want them to grow up um, being servers uh, because we believe, right, that, that serving others is more important than being served. We do believe that, right? I think we do. We'll see what that clipboard looks like after it goes through the crowd. We'll find out what we really think. And I don't mean that to shame or guilt. It's just a fact. Our culture and everything around us works so hard to shape us into people who believe that we exist to consume, to receive things, right? Like everywhere we go, we expect to be served and we expect good service. That's why Karens are so popular, right? You know I'm right, right? Because we, we need what we need and we, you know, your way right away. Everything is, is marketed to train and truly disciple us into people who are recipients. And yet I think what really makes us people who honestly are, are just more fully formed people is serving others. So this is an opportunity to do that here. So, yeah, it's not about guilt. It's about who do we want to be? kind of people do we want to be formed into? I'm going to be very brief today uh, for a few reasons. Because I thought Jim was going to read the book. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I, uh, somewhere in the, in, in the sleep world last night, I think I decided there's really only one major thing I want to say. I'm going to look, I'm going to read for a minute from... Um, Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, just a couple of verses. And as you know, I was thinking, you know, just briefly for the last couple of weeks, some, some, some things that it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. What are some kind of standout things that, that we can be formed by? Um, and there's one right here. I'm also, I kind of decided to be brief a little bit today, and I'm going to tell you for 20 minutes that I'm going to be brief. <laughs> because I know we want to kind of probably, you know, get to the, the, the golf course or the river or whatever we want to do, and that's fine. I get it. It's Labor Day. Um, but I, I will be simple. I also want to share communion with us. And next week, we're going to start a series through Genesis, which I'm actually quite excited about, to kind of teach us. I think Genesis, I don't want to say more than anything, but in many ways shows us God as he relates to people, and I think we can learn a lot from, from seeing some highlights. Not, not every verse in Genesis, just some of the main stories, and so we can get a, a good understanding of that book and the foundation of what it lays for us as, as the people of God. So anyway, I'm excited about that. So I will be fairly, fairly brief today when I point this out. Let me read this first. John Mark 1, 14 through 15. Now, after John was arrested... Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. God, would you be with us this morning in our hearts, in our minds? Bring words out of my mouth that I have never thought of and never would uh, by your spirit. It's in your name. Amen. This is where my eyes were drawn, because it's the first thing. John is arrested. Things are beginning to change. Jesus is beginning his ministry, and this is what he says. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And I thought, that's kind of significant. But it's, there's easy misunderstanding here. 
Um, and sometimes, you ever notice, if things get slightly misunderstood, everything can go wrong. I'll give you an example. In the late 90s, you might remember this, though it kind of got buried by other things that happened soon after, but there was something that NASA built called the Mars Climate Orbiter. And the Mars Climate Orbiter was intended to, like, orbit Mars and evaluate its climate. <laughs> Pretty simple. And, and then to kind of be a part of the, what we're still on, right, the laying the foundation of human exploration of that planet. Mars Climate Orbiter was launched, it got to Mars, and it pretty much essentially imploded on, and just crash-landed on the planet and because things weren't working. In the months and years afterwards, researchers, investigators, NASA scientists were trying to figure out what happened here, and here's what happened. One team that was working on parts and pieces and calculations, I don't know all this stuff, but they were using imperial measurements inches, gallons, that kind of thing. Um, the other team working on other parts was using the metric system, meters and grams and liters. And turns out those two things don't communicate well with each other. And they didn't, no one caught this. The thing went to Mars and millions of dollars burned up in Martian atmosphere, right? Because one little misunderstanding can totally wreck everything. That's what I started thinking about when I thought about this word that Jesus uses, repent. We use, we, the, the Greek word metanoia literally means turn around, turn from here to there, go a different direction, 180 degrees, and you've probably heard this, and I think you've probably heard, in fact, you've probably heard it from me as I thought about it, this phrase, what does it mean to repent and, and, and it means, or we often say this, this phrase, I know I've heard it, I've probably said it, that we turn from our sin toward Jesus. And we take sin over here and Jesus over there and we decide, oh, i got to turn, right? That's the, the analogy, the illustration that we often use, to turn from here to there. Now sin, let me just go ahead and say it, I know sin can be a tricky word, and it's been used as a weapon. Some of us grew up hearing, you're a sinner, and, and maybe we're, we're triggered by hearing the word. Um, but it's simply something we all deal with. It's something we all have. It's, it's this tendency that we all have to put our, our love in lesser things, to have disordered loves, to, you know, control, security, and connection are the three probably biggest human longings. Control, to, to, to be able to control our environment, to control other people, to control the future, to control, if we plan it right and we, we do it just right, then we can, we can control it. We want to be safe and we want to be connected to other people. And those lead to the three big idols throughout human history, power, money, and sex. Because those three things promise those three things, right? Power gives me control, money gives me security, sex gives me connection. And in every case, it lets us down. And that's, that's all sin is. Some twisting of those basic things and a trusting in um, other places to get them. So that's what, what sin is. And when we say we turn from that and we turn toward Jesus, I know so many Christians... Christians for decades 
who are living defeated, shame-filled, miserable lives of feelings of unworthiness because they've been told for decades that they need to turn from their sin and turn toward Jesus, and they wake up in the morning and they realize that their sin is still right there with them. That they're still struggling with these gods of power, money, sex. That they still want these things. That they're still, they're still getting mad and yelling at their spouse. Right? Whatever these things are, they're still with us. Turns out, huh, look at that. You haven't really turned from your sin toward Jesus, right? And it leaves us so, so, so often feeling crippled. But I think it's a slight misunderstanding of what the word means. I really do. I th- what, if we, what if we just changed a preposition, like the imperial and the, and the metric system? One word in that phrase to change the way we think about it. What if we said, instead of turn from our sin toward Jesus, what if, what if we said this, to turn with our sin toward Jesus, to take it with us, to bring it around and put it right there in front of Jesus, to say, this is who, it, this is who I am. We, it, this, is, this is the reality. This is what is true of me. I wrestle with these things. And to, to then, you know, when we do that and we have him say to us and we, we can realize the beauty of the gospel I love you anyway. Same is true in relationships with other people, right? So often, when we sin against others, we want to we turn, right? We want to turn away from that. We want to not look at it. I know. And we kind of justify or, yeah, you're right, and let's, let's never bring that up again, right? But instead, what if we just said, yeah, I know. That's who I am. It's true. That's real repentance. And, and over time, we, we see it, and, and more and more we begin to hate it. We don't have to pretend it's not there. We don't have to shove it behind us. We keep it in front of us. And, and over time, the more we experience this gospel that I like to, and he says, believe the gospel, repent and believe the gospel. I like to sum that up this way. I hope you can say it by now. We are far worse than we could ever imagine, and yet we are far more loved than we would ever dare to believe. And when our sin is in front of us instead of behind us, and Jesus is in front of us, when we turn with our sin toward Jesus, there's no more hiding. There's no more self-deception. There's no more attempting to deceive others. Suddenly, we experience that love and the grace And these things become far less attractive. (laughs) That's what I mean. A few weeks ago I said that sanctification, becoming a better person, isn't stuff we work for by working hard to keep that stuff back there. It's something that we bring into the presence of Jesus, turn with it. We say, this is who I am. And suddenly, when we're looking at him, these things don't become as important anymore. We are changed, not by hard work, not by pretending, not by faking it, not by constantly trying to keep that stuff behind us, but by looking at Jesus and being fully aware 
of what we struggle with. And, and, and over time, like I said, those things become less and less important to us because we have turned with our sin toward Jesus, not from it. We'll never turn from it. But when we turn with it to him, it just falls away because his grace is far bigger than our love of lesser things. That's my hope. That's my prayer for us, that we will be that kind of people who are able and capable of true repentance, which is just being honest about who we are, being honest about who Jesus is. And we will begin to see that he's far more important than those things. Power, control, connection. These are the things, by the way, he says the kingdom is at hand. These things are all the things that all the millions of kingdoms that have come and gone throughout earth, long history, have promised to deliver to people. Power, security, right? They're going to give you safety. You just bend the knee, we won't hurt you. Bend the knee, we'll protect you, right? Power, security, and connection. That's what the kingdoms of the world all offer. I can't help but think of the psalm that says, Why do the nations rage and the kings plot together in vain against God and against his anointed? It says the God in heavens laughs. All of our kingdoms that we are building are these kingdoms that are their sin. They are idolatry, they are love, they are, they are pretending that each one, of us, each one of us carries around a thing that we want other people to believe is true of us. It's our own kingdom. It's what we're building. But if we take that and we bring it to Jesus and we say, this is true of me, will you help? And we will see the love that he has for us, the grace that he pours out on us, and I promise you this, you will experience a life that you never could imagine otherwise. Because the grace of God is that rich and that deep. And it, yes, it will cost us absolutely everything. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you that your grace is so rich. Would you help us to bring everything we are to you? Everything. So that you can... Bless us with your love, your mercy, and, and your change. Transform us, not by our hard work and effort, but by our experience of the gospel. Would you help us to believe the gospel, that we are loved in spite of what we are? It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. We are so valuable to God. So valuable. Worth more than anything else, really. Really, we are. Um, you know, I know there's, there's some um, disagreement, right, over animals and animal rights. And I, I, I think animals are wonderful, and I'd love, I love to protect animals. I have two live in my house. I've got no problem with animals. But I'll tell you this, Jesus didn't die, didn't give his life to restore animals. Of course, one of those reasons is that animals aren't broken. We are. 
We're the ones that are messed up. We're the ones that have messed up. And Jesus gave his life in order to restore us, to make a new creation. Better than the old one. I love that picture. The artist said, the tree is off the panel there, you know. The artist who, who, who painted it said, well, do you think I could fully capture the wholeness of what the new creation will be? It's, it's larger than even the painter's imagination. That's what that's supposed to depict. It's so beautiful, so rich, and so, so amazing. And all of it is written in pen, not pencil. <laughs> because Jesus died on the cross and rose again. I know sometimes that's hard to believe. I know it's a challenge. I know it is. But if it's true, it changes everything. And this meal, this bread, and this cup is, is there as a reminder. In, for one, it's a reminder to us that Jesus has done this for us. It's also a community meal. It's an opportunity for us to talk. <laughs> Go ahead. We'll play a little music in a minute. We'll, we'll talk while we get the elements. And, uh, and, and, and it's, also, it's also a meal. We actually believe that on some level we are eating one meal throughout all time. I don't know. I read some books on quantum physics this summer, and it's very confusing. But I don't know how this works. But it is the same meal that we will be eating there. The same meal. When we are eating and drinking it, we are drinking and eating with Augustine and Mother Teresa and Pope John Paul II and Paul the Apostle and Jesus himself at one meal. That's the way we understand this meal to work. I, don't, I, I do that. I take that on faith. <laughs> but I believe it. That this is the meal that we eat with all the saints through all of time, all at once. And I am glad to participate in it. If you're here and you're like, mm-mm, there's nothing wrong with me. I don't have that sin stuff you were talking about. That's not me. I'm good. Then, then maybe you don't want it, and that's fine. But if you're here and you're like, yeah, I've got these things, these brokenness that we were singing about earlier, and I need Jesus to mend it because I can't do it myself, then this meal is for you. That's who it's for. It's for people who want to grab a hold of their sin and bring it to Jesus and say, help me. That's who it's for. So we will play some music here in a minute, and, and there is a table there, there, and there. You can get up, get the elements, and eat and drink on your own time, however you feel you would like to, and then we will close in a few minutes. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you for this meal. Thank you for this community of saints that we dine with throughout all of time and history Will you meet us, be with us, encourage our desperate hearts that you actually indeed are at work to, to, to make us into better people, to make us into holier people, to make us look a little bit more like you. Would you do that by your grace in these elements? It's in your name we pray. Amen.